Today's reading is from St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 11 to 24, on page 1101, the Church Bibles. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning again. Our teenagers are going to go out to their group at this point. So guys, have lots of fun. Bumped into Harriet yesterday at Comic-Con. It's good to know the church members are having fun on a Saturday. It's great. Um, the message this morning, if you want to have a little title for this talk, is really simple. It's welcome home. It's just welcome home. And the story that we've just had read to us by Iris is probably one of the most famous uh, stories that Jesus tells. Uh, you, you start thinking about the stories Jesus told, you might think of the story of the Good Samaritan, and you might think about this story we just had read. In the version of the Bible that we've got, it's called the Parable of the Lost Son. Some call it the Prodigal Son. There's lots of different names for it. It's this fab story about a boy who has this windfall of money and he's convinced his dad to give him his inheritance early and the boy gets all of this cash and I wonder what you would do if you suddenly inherited thousands of pounds. Like what would you do? What would happen if you won the lottery this week and you got 16 million or something? What would you do with it? I wonder if you'd be like one of those programs on TV. We only ever really watch telly during half term. And um, there's this TV show where people decide that they want to emigrate to Australia or they want to emigrate to some hot country. Have you seen this TV show? And they decide that their life where they are isn't good enough. 
and they're going to leave their family behind and they're going to move to Australia. And they take them around three houses to buy, you know, to look at the three different houses to check them out. And then when they've decided which house they want to buy in Australia, they put down uh, their mortgage and they, they move out there. Then about six months later, they do like a follow-up TV show where they go back to the family and say, so you've moved to Australia. How is it? And like nine out of 10 times, they sit there and go, well, to be fair, it's like life at home, just in the hotter country. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you live, you will take you with you. And that's what happens with this boy. This boy inherits all this money and he decides he's going to emigrate, he's going to leave, he's going to move somewhere else. And all the boy does is he moves from Galilee and he moves to Malibu. And his life is exactly the same as what it would have been like in Galilee, except he's in a hotter climate. The boy takes the boy with him. And he, and he gets to this hot place. And it's not that Galilee is not hot, but you know, this idea, he's moved somewhere better. We're told in the story that he's, he's left where his father lives and his family live, and he moves to another region. He's gone a long distance away. Well, if you live in Galilee, what is a long distance? Turkey? Egypt, you know, he's moved somewhere hot, friends. And when he gets there, he's brought himself with him. And he's brought with him all of his problems. He's brought with him all of his troubles, all his anxieties and all his, if he's got depression, he's brought that with him. If he's got anxiety, he's brought that with him. If he's got an addiction, he's brought that with him. Everything that he's miserable about, he's brought that with him. And he finds himself in Malibu with a nice house, lonely, desperate for friends. So he takes the money that he's inherited and he starts splashing out on parties and he invites people around. He has big, big pool parties. He's bought himself this infinity. I'm making it up now. I'm, I'm, this is extra to the story, but he's having these, these parties, spends his money. Is he any, any more happier than he was when he lived with dad? Nah, the boy isn't happy. He's miserable. And he just keeps spending and spending and spending. He's got the cars. He's got the women round. He's got the flat screen plasma TV. He's got the works. He's even got the jacuzzi and the bidet. He is, he is really happy. But he's not. He's miserable. And he spends and spends and spends. And it gets to the point where in the story, it all starts going sour. Uh, we're told that in this hot country, there's a famine. And there's no food left. And no matter how much money he's got, he's not going to put food on the table. And he ends up without any food, without a home, without any friends. And he is miserable. And he works out the only thing that he could possibly do is now get a job working for whoever will take him. And the only person that would take him was a farmer down the road who bred pigs. And he ends up becoming a pig farmer. And he finds himself feeding these pigs. This is not the life the boy dreamt of. When he said to his dad, I want the inheritance now, the day when the boy won the lottery, his dream for his life was that he was going to move away. He was going to have no concerns, no worries, no anxieties. He's not going to have anything that's going to bother him. He's going to pay off the debts. He's going to live content and happy with his infinity pool, his bidet and his sauna. And he was just going to be content. He'd probably get himself a wife, get himself a nice car, settle down somewhere nice and hot, and he'd be happy. But when he gets all of these things, he's not happy. In fact, he's miserable. He finds himself in a field feeding the pigs, miserable. This is an incredible story of, of two things. It's a story of a boy who gets everything he dreams of and finds himself a mess. And it's a story of a dad who is in crazy, crazy in love with his son, loves his boy so much that he loves him enough to let him go. 
but loves him enough to let him come home as well. And I love that little line in the story where it just says that the dad sees the boy at a distance. And he has such compassion and love for his son that he runs towards him. He flings his arms around him and he kisses his boy. It's a story of a, of a boy that gets everything, but realizes that really he's got nothing. And a story of a dad who's in crazy love, love with his family. And that, that is this story. So I want to ask you for a second, you know, what are you hoping for in life? What have been your hopes and dreams? Are you living the dream? Are you living the life that you've always dreamt of? Some of us have been dreaming that we'd be married now and we're not. Some of us have hopes that we might have children, but we don't. Some of us hopes that we might be financially stable enough that we could retire early. and We can't. Some of us hopes that we might be living in Malibu like the boy. Some of us hopes that we might be in a relationship with a Chippendale model. And others of us have just hoped that we'd find somebody that might do the washing up. Amy, are you happy? Yeah. You got the Chippendale model, that's why. Some of us are living the dream, aren't we? What is it that you hope for in life? What is the dream that you had when you were growing up that you might have? Life often doesn't give us what we hope and dream for. Sometimes we can find ourselves like the boy. We've had it and then not being happy. We thought, well, when I have got this, I'll be content. And then we get there and find that we're not actually any more content than we were before. We realize that what we thought we needed to be happy isn't actually what we need. We all have hopes and dreams and our lives don't always land the way we expect. And the story today is a story of a boy that thought he had everything, then realized the biggest problem he had in his life wasn't the need for money, but was him. It was just him. He was messed up. He was miserable inside. He thought that if he could get something extra, then his life would be better. And what he found when he got there was it wasn't. And what's beautiful about this story is the boy could have blamed everybody else, couldn't he? He could have stood in that field and said, why did my dad give me the inheritance early? The boy could have been really miserable and said, this farmer's given me the worst job I could possibly have. He could have complained about the government and said, it's the government's fault that I'm stuck here. The government didn't give me what I needed. He could have complained about Brexit and all the other political issues that were around at the time, but he doesn't. The boy doesn't blame anybody else. He realizes that he's the victim of his own choices. He realizes that he's the victim of the choices that he has made for his life. He realizes that he is the one that's done this to himself. The son doesn't blame the dad. The son doesn't blame the economy. And the son doesn't blame the culture around him. He just realizes, this is not the life that I dreamt of. These decisions I've made have led me to this point and I'm not content. And I'm not happy. The boy realizes that he's living the consequences of the bad decisions that he has made. Do you know, um, I'm quite happy with my life in many ways. I would like to live in Australia, though. I have proposed that multiple times to the Rogers family, but nobody else in the family actually wants to move to Australia. So uh, East London it is. I don't mind. Well, maybe. But do you know, when you look at the decisions you've made in your life, many of us have got choices that we made that we look back on and think, do you know what? I don't think that choice was the best choice. If we're honest with ourselves, we'll look at our lives and say, there's decisions I've made that I'm not proud of. There's decisions that haven't added up the way that I thought that they would add up and they've not made me happy. 
know, those choices have made you who you are. So let's not go criminal and start tearing our lives up. You know, the choices you've made have made you who you are. But if you're honest with yourself, those choices maybe haven't brought you to the point that you've wanted to be. The boy doesn't blame anybody else, but for so many of us, we blame our lives on somebody else. This is why my life is like this. Becky and I used to live in Birmingham next to this girl who, who claimed to be a witch. And uh, she knocked on the door one day and she did say to us, I'm just going to warn you, uh, you may listen, uh, you might hear the music coming through the wall now and again, it'll be satanic music. So I said, that's perfectly fine. I'm just, I'll just turn my Jesus music up even, even louder. She you know, we, the only thing we ever heard her playing was Total Eclipse by the Heart. And it was over and over and over one night. We actually became quite concerned about her emotional and mental health because it turned out she'd had a breakup and she just got this track, this track on loop. But she was a prime example of somebody who always blamed everyone else for the troubles in her life. There's one day uh, she came home and uh, her arm was in a sling. And when we asked her why it was in a sling, she'd been driving down the, the kind of high street where the shops were with a cigarette in her hand, driving with one hand. And as she was driving along, she dropped a cigarette down into a, the footwell where her feet were. So she knew she needed to grab it. So she leans down while holding onto the steering wheel to find the cigarette, steers into the other side of the road and drove directly into the car coming down the road, head-on collision. The car was a write-off. She turns to Becky and I and says, somebody up there doesn't like me. I was like, seriously? It's not somebody up there that doesn't like you. You don't like yourself. Like The decisions that you've made are ridiculous. She knocked on our door one day, about two o'clock in the morning, and she's outside her house, covered in blood. And we're thinking, gosh, what has she done? She was moving the fish tank at two o'clock in the morning, and it was held together with a glass brace and decided that when it was half full of water, she put her arm through the fish tank to try to move it. And she ended up cutting her arm open. She's bleeding. She's going, somebody up there doesn't like me. I'm like, no, you just make bad decisions. We can't blame other people for our bad decisions. We have to recognize that sometimes we are the victims of our own choices. Um, I just want to tell you a little story. I, here we go. I'm a part of this little group of people who dress up as stormtroopers and uh, we go into Great Ormond Street Hospital and we do this every couple of months. And the idea is we walk around the wards uh, where the children have terminal illnesses. And the idea is to go and just be a blessing to the family. We get Lego from the Lego guys and we hand out packets of Lego around the wards. We do about 350 children uh, in the day. And it is really good fun. And you get to see, when you walk into the uh, ward of four children dressed as a stormtrooper, you either fill them full of fear and they think the Grim Reapers come for them, or they just absolutely love it. I just want to tell you a story from about six weeks ago. Um, I'm at Great Almond Street Hospital. There's a party for children that had been in the hospital, but had now become well enough to leave. And it was a celebration of uh, the healing and the restoration of these children's lives. And we're getting to walk around this party of stormtroopers. This is us. And there's one particular dad that caught my eye. And here is this dad. And his dad had designed this sling. And the son had no muscle um, in, in his legs. He's literally just was skin and bone, no muscle. There was no way this little boy could walk. I think he was about three years old, something like that. He, was a, he should be a toddler, should be running around, but there was no muscle in his legs and he was physically unable 
to walk. And the dad had created this sling and it came around his waist and it came down to the front and the boy was in this harness between his legs. And the boy had a problem breathing and on the dad's back was this air tank, this big black air tank, and this pipe came out the back and it went into the boy's throat. And I spotted this dad and he's got this boy strapped, his legs were strapped to his dad's legs. And the boy was getting air from the tank that was on his back. And I got to go and have my photograph taken with this dad and this little boy uh, dressed as a stormtrooper. I can't show you the picture because of kind of child protection stuff. But I stood there with my helmet on uh, in tears. I couldn't hold it together because here was this dad providing air for his son. The son couldn't breathe for himself, but the dad was giving air to his son to breathe. The boy couldn't walk, but the dad could walk. And the dad had strapped the son's legs to his legs. So when the boy wanted to walk, he would lean forward and the dad would walk for him so that he could walk like all the other children. And I just turned to the dad and asked him a few little questions. And the dad said, I made the mobility harness so that my son could walk like all the other kids. I'm in floods of tears. I'm like, isn't that just a beautiful picture of a dad? And I saw that. And what really moved me, friends, was not just that this dad had done this for this boy, but that is exactly what the dad in this story does for us. When we are unable to walk, when we're exhausted, when our life hasn't gone the way that we planned and we find ourselves in a bit of a pit, we have a father that runs towards us, loves us, kisses us, wants to strap us to himself so that when we can't walk, he can walk with us. I don't know what your image of, of God is. Some of us have this image of this cosmic headmaster that is literally out there to tell you all the things that you did today wrong at school and you're going to have a detention. I don't know if you see God as a police officer that's out to catch you out. I don't know if you see uh, God as this father, as a cruel father. But when I saw that dad with this boy strapped to his legs, giving him oxygen, I was like, that is my dad. That is the God that I believe in, who holds me close to him, who straps me to him. And when I can't walk, he walks for me. When I can't do what I need to do in life, I'm just exhausted. I have a father that does it with me who holds me close. Where do you think God is in your life? Where do you think God is? How do you see God? God is much more loving and kind than you can ever imagine. The problem is some of us have heard stories of God that aren't helpful. Some of us have seen Christians in the past who've represented this loving God and the way they've represented him is so bad it puts you off. There are times you've maybe come out of Stratford Shopping Centre and somebody shouted at you that God is going to send you to hell. And you think, gosh, if that is the God the Christians worship, do I want anything to do with that? Friends, the God that I believe in and the God that I know personally in my life is a God that straps me to him and loves me so much. He gives me what I need and he walks with me. How do you see Father? How do you see your heavenly Dad, the father walked for the son, the father breathed for the son, and the father carried the son. That dad at Great Ormond Street Hospital is exactly like our Heavenly Father. He wants to walk and journey 
with us. God is a father who does the same if we would only let him. We could be very proud and choose to remain in that place where we are miserable. Or we could choose to go back home to dad. Welcome home back to dad. I love this little line that you find in the end, it's the two, last two thirds of the Bible. It's from a book called the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, my grace, because my love, my mercy, my compassion is sufficient for you. There's enough of it. There's enough of it. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. It's like God is saying to us, if you let me show you how good I am, then your weakness, when you can't walk, when you can't do what you need to do, let me show you my strength because I can do it with you. I can strap you to me and my strength can do it for you. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. This is Paul speaking now, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm just going to leave it there, really. But I want to just kind of park with you this idea that there is a God who absolutely adores you who wants to see you thriving. He doesn't want to see you in the field with the pigs. He doesn't want to see you miserable. He wants to see you thriving, if only you would return home to him. And this dad who wants to run towards you to throw his arms around you and wants to kiss you. When I realized that Becky was really into me, it took me a while, it took me quite a while. Um, I am slow with this stuff. But when I realized that Becky was really into me, and she was at that point, <laughs> nearly 17 years married, it all changes, but she was, she was really into me without the beard. I realized two things. It's two things I realized. Was I willing to love her back and will I change my life to make space for her in it? Was I gonna love her back and was I gonna make space in my life to allow her to be a part of it? And friends, we've got the same question to ask towards God. This God who runs towards us, who wants to throw his arms around us, who wants to kiss us, who wants to give us what we need and be with us. We've got the same decision to make. Are we willing to love him back? Are we willing to say, yes, I want to love him back? And the second thing is, are we willing to make space in our lives for him? And I guess they're the two questions I want to land us with us today. If God really loves us, that God is not against us, but God is for us then are we willing to love him back and are we willing to make space in our lives for him? I just want to kind of leave it there. And if you, you're interested in knowing more about that, then in January, we're going to start the Alpha course. Uh, it's the second Thursday. It'll start in January uh, on a Thursday night here in church. It'll be 7.30. It'll start with dinner. And then we will uh, have uh, six weeks of looking at what does it mean and to understand that God actually does adore us. What does that mean? And what does that impact look like in our lives? So if you're interested in that, then you might want to pop that in your diary. Second Thursday in January, 7.30, the Alpha course. It'll run for six weeks. And it is such a simple uh, way of learning more about this God that adores us. I'm going to park it there and I'm just going to pray. But I want to pray that we might know that God's grace is sufficient for you. I don't know what you're going through at the moment. I don't know about what's worrying you or waking you in the night concerned about what, I don't know what those things are, but God's grace is sufficient for us if we will only let him. And I'd love to pray that we might know that his grace is sufficient for us. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. Just this story about this boy who had everything, but he just ends up finding himself. He was lonely. 
who'd left you behind. Lord, we thank you. This story reminds us that you are there for us, that you love us. You want to carry us and you want to hold us. You want to welcome us home. Lord, would you help us to respond to that in some way? We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing our...